Okay, so we've heard from Dr. Katrina O'Sullivan, who's advocating a, a yes, yes in the two referendums. I'm joined now by uh, Maria Steen. Good morning, Maria. Good morning, Brendan. So, Maria, you're a writer, a commentator, you're a trained barrister, many other things. You are also a, a stay-at-home mother. You're advocating for a no-no vote in these referendums next month. So, look, uh, similar to what I did with uh, Katrina, in terms of where you're coming from, uh, a little bit of context on you. You chose to give up your career to be a full-time I, mother. I did, I yeah. And and really, as I said, I'm um, coming to this uh, in a personal capacity as uh, a wife and a mother, as somebody who had a professional career and chose to give it up to, um, you know, care for my children full-time. At Why? Uh, because although it's often said that women are multitaskers, I realised long ago I'm not very good at multitasking. And... Um, I before I had children, uh, like Katrina was saying, actually, I did not feel particularly maternal. Um, But when our first baby was born, that all changed. And how many children have you in what age Five now. And 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 the age range is? uh, Almost 17 down to two. Okay. Yes. And you trained as a Montessori teacher then and you also you homeschool all your children now. Tell me about that. That's right. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I've spoken about it before, but uh, I we made the decision um, kind of started investigating. I fell in love with the Montessori method. And um, so we decided to try it out and it worked very well and the children enjoyed it. So we just kept going. Okay, and yeah. you you feel they're well socialized, well adjusted, yeah. well educated. We have a, all that a kind wonderful of community, homeschooling community that is very supportive. Okay, so look, you clearly find that fulfilling. Yes, and I know you would accept too that a lot of women find it more fulfilling to work outside the home. To, Absolutely, to do both, I, I totally get that. I have a friend who says to me, "I would go mad if I had to stay at home all day." And uh, she has done a wonderful job raising her children. Um, they're a total credit to her. And uh, but she's just uh, made a different choice in life. And I totally support that. Yeah. And do you think do you think childcare is a, as good a solution for uh, children as being at home with their mother? Or would you feel being at home with their mother is, is a better way for them to be brought well, up? I think the point is every mother has to make that decision for herself. And she's the one who's best placed to do that. And what the Constitution says, uh, Article 41.2, it says that the state should strive to support women in their choice, whether they want to stay at home or not. And if they want to stay at home, they shouldn't be forced into the workplace out of economic necessity. Okay. And there are a lot of women who feel that they are. The, the reason that they work, yeah, they would so like to spend more time. Has the Constitution done anything for these? Has that, has that clause in the Constitution done anything well, for well, these women? Well, you know, people will say, like you're just saying there, uh, you know, it hasn't done much. That's not necessarily a problem with the law. That's a problem with successive governments who have failed uh, to, you know, follow through on the promise implicit in Article 41.2. So I think this referendum provides an opportunity to people to say to the government, we expect better. We expect you to try and support women in their choices to stay at home if that's what they wish. So, Or to spend you, more time at home because like some, some women prefer to work part time but be able to pick up the children from school or in the early years, you know, to uh, to spend more time at home. I mean, I have one friend see, who said to me... They're all nice aspirations, but wh- 
why do we need a kind of a, a vague clause in, in the Constitution to support things that, you know, that, that are more probably to do with our economic situations and, and, and how people live their lives? Because the relationship between a mother and child is fundamental and basic. And um, I mean, again, I was listening to Katrina there before I came in and she was making the point of, you know, the work that she has done for her son and uh, for her family. And I I completely agree with her on that. You know, the fact of the matter is um, women give their lifeblood for their children and they deserve recognition for that work. And that is currently recognised in the Constitution, but the government wants to get rid of that. So um, what Katrina says about that is Mm -hmm. that she feels that it is part of this leaky pipeline of language and of the realities of education and everything that is telling girls and women that really, you know, you shouldn't be ambitious, you shouldn't be doing this, that it, it is it, that there is an aspiration there in, in our constitution yeah, I'm and a kind of a language and a symbolism that kind of does suggest that women are, are in some way attached to the home more so than men. Yeah, I, I, I totally disagree with that. Uh, you know, I'm left school 30 years and I went into a STEM career first. I, I was an architect first before I was a barrister. Uh, both of which were traditionally kind of male professions. Um, lest we forget, we've had two female presidents, a female chief justice, a female guard the commissioner, uh, lots of female ministers. The list goes on. The idea that somehow Article 41.2 has held women back is frankly preposterous. OK. Uh, Why and, should and, the, only and the first a, female yeah, chief sorry, justice, Susan Denham, and in fact, Miss Justice Mary Baker as well, who's the head of the Electoral Commission, as you know, has confirmed that, that the Constitution does not not ascribe a domestic role to women, but what it does is it recognises the the valuable work that women do in their homes that's often, you know, uh, unseen by society, but is critical for uh, the common good. How would you feel if if that article had been just changed not to be just about women? but had been to recognise a, a mother or a father's place in the home. Do you think that you, you said earlier, do you think the, being a mother is more primal or different? do you mean do you mean the current wording that yeah, the yeah, government the is proposing? It, it, yeah. So, I mean, they've described it as a kind of non-gendered um, change. Uh, again, I think in one sense it is. But what they have done is they've erased the word woman. Yeah. They've but erased what the if word they mother. Had, what if they had just made it? Mother or father, well, they could, made a man or well, what woman, they could have and, and recognised. Yeah, I, I don't have a difficulty with them. The I don't have a difficulty with them inserting a provision into the constitution that recognises the valuable work that fathers do. But they didn't do that. Instead, they chose to erase mother, erase woman, and erase the word home, which I think is significant too. Uh, again, similarly with why is carers, that significant? Because the home is the family's physical area of control, and Privacy and security is vital for the flourishing of the family. The home is, uh, you know, every man's home is his castle. And and it's supposed to prevent unjust um, interference from the state. And they've removed that from the Constitution. They've also... um, kind of, you know, gone for this more a uh, kind of a wider description of carers. Again, if they had wanted to, they could have inserted a provision that recognises 
the really valuable work that carers do, family carers, you know, people caring for elderly relatives uh, and so on. But again, they chose not to do that. And instead, they chose to erase the word mother. Okay. And, uh, and, you know, in erasing that word, they're erasing the notion of the importance of the mother-child connection. And the thing so I would it's say is... Different. It's different. It's, it's special, a, as you I think thinking. it's of a different order. Okay, go on. To other carers. Because other carers don't, frankly, give birth to their charges. You know, as women, and I think... I think also uh, I would say that that women do uh, deserve to be recognised, especially in the Constitution, uh, even over fathers in this uh, area. Why? Because, frankly, we sacrifice a lot more. We're more vulnerable in pregnancy, in childbirth, in breastfeeding, in mothering our children generally. I mean, I'm sure you've seen that in your own family. We all have, Brendan. Um, and we deserve recognition. We give our life's blood for our children and that deserves recognition in our constitution. Okay, so what if a child does not have a mother? What if a child is being raised by two men? What if the mother is dead? All those situations. I suppose those people would feel they're not recognised in, in that. Yeah, well, I suppose, you know, the issue about non-marital family units has been raised. And the thing is... Um, this is where the concept of durable relationships comes in. And I suppose uh, the first thing I think that we should say is that um, this term durable relationships would seem to come from uh, EU immigration law. Before we get to the durable relationships, can we just go back to yeah. the, the question? I'm not, I'm not being difficult with you now, but the, well, well, where, there is not, where there is not a mother, though, going, yeah. back, to the, going back to the mother in the home, yeah. where there is not a mother which there, you know, there are many different situations where there aren't now. Yes. Can you see how those people might feel excluded by... Well, it's the, it's not a question of excluding mother them. mother being it's not a question given of primacy there. Yeah, no, it's not a question of excluding them at all because the fact of the matter is every mother, every child comes into the world through a mother, okay? So it, it's a question of recognising the importance of that. Um, that's not to say that other family units, you know, aren't uh, valued but but the point is, if we're going to um, try to protect uh, the relationship of mother and child and give mothers the opportunity to stay home with their children, because the, the all the figures show that when women have children compared to when men have children, their work habits change completely. And like I say, the government could have put in um, a provision that recognised, for instance, fathers looking after their children, but they chose not to. Okay. So you, you do you think a lot of women uh, who go out to work nowadays would prefer to stay at home? Well, it, it's interesting when you look at the figures. So anybody who looks at the tables in the OECD and the CSO figures will see the difference in patterns of working. So as we know, very often girls outperform boys in school and university and very often as well in the workplace until they have children. And then their working patterns change. So if you compare fathers with children to mothers with children, mothers will tend to work far fewer hours outside the home. They'll tend to engage more in part time work and fathers will tend their greater numbers of fathers working excessive hours. Um, and what this points to is that women's priorities change. I know it changed for me when I had children and I know it does for all mothers and even for mothers who are working full time. What you'll often see is that they might choose a sector 
in their profession that's more family friendly. So maybe a female doctor will choose to be a GP because it's more nine to five and she doesn't have to work weekends. Okay. So you rarely see men making those choices in their careers, but women do because of the importance we put on our children. Okay. And and again, does the Constitution and that clause in the Constitution do anything in practical terms to help those women make those choices if they want to make those choices? Well, well that's where it comes down to the government implementing it. So, you know, the government and I was listening to an item on the business as well before I came in uh, that talked about women kind of losing out on pension entitlements and so on. That's something that's within the power of government to fix. So if they want to make things better for women who take a career break to look after their children, they shouldn't be penalised for being a mother. OK, it strikes me that it's a separate issue to the to the Constitution, really. But yeah. yeah, I suppose a lot of this dovetails in between legislation and Constitution. People who say it's sexist and outdated and that's uh, that, that language and that society has moved on anyway. Uh, yeah, well, again, you know, I, I've heard this idea that that Article 41.2 is sexist and outdated. I can't understand how somebody can say that's the case when everybody recognises that women uh, in households all across this country, it's the women who do the vast majority of the domestic um, house management and when it comes to the practical details of raising children. And I mean, are we how, not trying how, to change that? No, but like how many men do you know, Brendan, who say to their wives, do you know, I think we could do with a couple of pillow shams on that bed? How many men know their children's shoe sizes. Now, Are we not aspiring to change that? Well, well, why should we force people into something that they don't want themselves? Like the fact of the matter is women are generally... Because there are many traditions from the past that we have but decided this isn't, were see, I don't inappropriate think is, and that we... Are uh, we not trying to be more enlightened about this. You see, I don't think this is about traditions at all. I think this is about people's preferences. And the fact of the matter is, more women are more interested in domesticity than men. Sometimes because they know if they don't do the work, it won't get done at all. And that's because they care more about it. Um, And frankly, I think couples should be allowed to split the chores between them as they see fit. I don't think it should be, the government should be intervening to say, you know what, you know, that that's really interference. If the government steps in and says you should be doing fifty percent of the chores, you should be doing fifty. Is the constitution the not as it stands saying that the woman should be doing most of the stuff in the home? Not at all. Again, as the chief justice said, Susan Denham, you know, it does not ascribe a domestic role to women. But it preferences a woman's work in the home. That's not true, at all. It doesn't preference a woman's home. Well, it doesn't mention a man's work in the home. Really. No, it doesn't. It does, it does go out of its way to mention a woman's work because, in the home because and her duties. But but in particular, but it's, it's not a them. it's not it's a woman's duties. Them. It's not It's not a men. woman's duties. It's a mother they're talking about. A mother and mothers, and we all know as mothers that we do have duties to our children. And what it's saying is, you shouldn't be forced out of your home to work out of economic necessity if you would prefer to be at home taking care of your children. Okay. Um, now, the um, the other referendum, the definition of a family yeah. question, is this um, not the compassionate thing to do? People would argue, recognise all families. You heard Katrina there. It, it's a, and like, people might not have realised that. It's a deeply held hurt for people, even they feel this the symbolism of not being recognised. Yeah, look, I would say, I think that, You know, it's really difficult being a mother, even with the support of a loving husband, 
it's far more difficult having to do all that work by yourself. And I'm thinking of friends of mine who've been divorced against their will, who've been abandoned uh, by the father of the child when they were pregnant or shortly thereafter. They raised their children. They put them through school and college. They gave their life's blood to their children. And they're so proud of their children, and rightly so. And they deserve recognition for that work that they've done. And that's what Article 41.2 does. And now the government wants to get rid of it. But Explain there, there that are, to me. Well, there are two. Well, well that's that it recognises the work that they do for their children, like the work that Katrina did for her oh, oh, OK, got but that. There are two moving things. on to the moving yeah, on though, to the two, definition of a family. Yeah, does so our constitution does not give them the dignity of well, calling them a family, does it? Well, no, because everybody recognises that a mother and a child or a father and a child obviously is family. But what we're but talking about... But if it obviously is, why, is it not OK to put it into the yeah, Constitution well, if I could just then? Finish, yeah. Sorry, yeah, go on. Yeah, so there are two points that, that I would make um, just in relation to single families. The first is, I think that there's a major problem with the term durable relationships. It's not at all clear that they will be included in this. So... Again, this comes from um, an EU directive on basically on immigration law Uh, and the uh, Electoral Commission has a little surprisingly taken the liberty of defining the term in its pamphlets. And what it says is that durable relationships means different types of committed and continuing relationships other than marriage. Now, that would seem to tie in with a Supreme Court judgment handed down by Mary Baker, uh, by Miss Justice Mary Baker, who's also the chairman of the Electoral Commission. And that was an immigration case in which she found that the term used in the Citizens Directive essentially meant a romantic or sexual relationship that's akin to marriage, but not marriage. Now, if the Supreme Court decides that that's what durable relationships means within the context of Irish uh, law, then single parents are no better off under this new provision than they are under the current wording. Okay. And I think that's a and big problem for government. Okay. okay. And what about the, other, the would, would you accept other kinds of relationships of the kind you mentioned should be uh, recognised in the constitution? Sorry, what do you mean? The, the romantic ongoing sexual relationships. Yeah, well that's the, well, those I, kind I, of durable relationships. Yeah, I'm, I'm, are you happy about the recognition of them? Well, I'll get to that, if I could get to that at the moment. The, the second point I would make just in relation to single parents, is, you know, there is a phenomenon at the moment uh, in our society, and I think it was kind of amplified during COVID as well, of single women in their 20s, 30s, 40s, who would like to be married with a family, but aren't. And the problem is, you know, our culture has denigrated marriage to such an extent that fewer and fewer men are willing to commit long term Uh, you know, to a uh, lifelong commitment. And that's, you know, a a real problem for young women who would like to get married. So to the single parents out there, I'd say to them, you know, what is it that you wish for your children when they're starting their families? Do you think it's better for them to have to go it alone? Or would you like for them to bring their family into the world in the context of a loving, committed relationship where when your daughter is pregnant... A durable relationship. Yeah, no, but when your so, daughter is pregnant, that she has the love and the support of a man who cherishes her and isn't afraid to say and, so okay. in front of, in front of um, you know, everybody. And when, you're, when your son becomes okay, a father... Okay, t- time is against us now. No, I'm, okay, I'm not, not being rude, but can I just ask you to get to the nub of... In terms of why does that need to be a marriage? Why can't that be well, because a, the, you see, another if, if you kind say, of committed relationship if, between that man and woman? If, well, you see, if the law says that there's no difference between 
a dating couple, an engaged couple or a married couple, well, what's the point in getting married? So you can see how that undermines marriage. Right. And in relation to the uh, families that that, um, aren't married to couples who aren't married, I completely recognise that there are couples who are committed to each other and raising children together in the context of a a lifelong. Well, if you you listen to what I have to say um, for, for a second, a lot of them will say, look, I don't need a piece of paper to validate my commitment. But from the point of view of the state, and that's what we're talking about here, The piece of paper is actually the whole point because the piece of paper provides evidence to the state of their commitment. Otherwise, if they want recognition and they want benefits, they're going to have to provide some kind of evidence to the state. So that may take the form as in that the, the, the Purvey's uh, uh, case, the Supreme Court uh, case, where somebody shows, you know, joint insurance policies or health policies. Miss Justice Mary Baker has talked about wedding invitations and Christmas cards. That seems to me to be an awfully cumbersome way to show your commitment to somebody rather than just presenting your marriage certificate. So if people really are committed. I don't see the difficulty in formalising the marriage. Again, as you said earlier, we're not talking about religious marriage. This is just a state thing. So like if you want child benefit, you have to register your child's birth. If you want to be your your relationship to be recognised, well, then register it with the state. That's what marriage is in the state. Okay. And the second issue on durable relationships is that there is the law of unintended consequences. And that is that, you know, some people who are not married, are not married because they don't want to commit. And that should be their choice. And they could find themselves in a situation if a, if a relationship breaks up where they're judged to have been in a durable relationship, which constitutes a family within the Constitution with all the duty that the duties that brings without ever having consented to that status. So that's something that people should be aware of as well. And there's one last okay. thing I would say just in relation to Maria, education. I'm really sorry, but I have to be quite strict Okay. On, on time here and I'm there sorry and I know you, you felt I was pushing you along there but I wanted yeah. to get to everything and we do have to be fairly um, disciplined about time here but okay. that was all fascinating Maria Steen thank you very much